What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. I love the fact that y'all checking out the People's Party and showing us a lot of love. You know what we do? We're bringing you all the live guests. We're bringing you the best podcast on the internet. Just make sure you subscribe and leave a review. People's Party, Talib Kweli. Let's go. What's up, party people? How y'all feeling? My name is Talib Kweli. I am your host for the fantastic People's Party. And one of my favorite people in the world is Jasmine Lee, my co-host of People's Party. Give it up for Jasmine Lee now. I started the claps early. (laughs) They're trained. We got them well trained, Jasmine. Um, This show, man, it's been such a journey. I've had such a good time doing it. And like I was saying to you earlier, um, getting to talk to my friends who have done great things and have great accomplishments is like my favorite part of the show. So today's guest is another friend of mine. Um, this gentleman has been working very hard. Mm-hmm. If you've been a fan of movies or television in the last 20 years, he has entered your psyche. He has been a part of many great, great projects that stand the test of time. He always picks projects that stand the test of time. In movies, you've seen him in Old School with Will Ferrell. You've seen him in Coach Carter with Sam Jackson. You've seen him in Deuces, Mr. Robot, Roll Bounce, NCIS. Right now, on the CW, he's in Arrow. He also has many other talents that I'm sure we'll get into as we start talking and having this conversation. People's Party, put your hands together, show your love for Rick Gonzalez. Show love to the ladies as soon as he walks in. Gotta show love. What up? What's up, Ricky? What's up, man? How you been? I've been great, man. I've been trying to link with you for a minute. For a minute, yes. Yeah. Yes. You when I first started this show about a year ago, a little over a year ago, you were one of the first people I called. Oh, yes, you were. Because thank you. No doubt. Um, I feel like you represent your story and your struggle and, and your your accomplishments represent what I'm trying to do with People's Party. And I love the show, and I'm honored to be here. Of course. You know, Thank I, you. And I told you, I was like, man, I, I'd be honored to be a part of the show. I mean, what you've always brought to your work and mm-hmm. everything you've done is always with integrity. So No doubt. That's why I, I jumped at the chance, No man. doubt. Put that on the tombstone. Yes. Integrity. That's integrity, what yes. out here doing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you've been very busy, bro. Like... You know, because I, I thought I had access to you because we was in the studio working on ideas for songs yeah. and doing little things together. And yeah. then all of a sudden I started hitting you. You're like, bro, I can't. I'm in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. You had to go to Vancouver yeah, to do. Shooting, shooting arrow. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me. Let's start mm-hmm. with telling me about how you got on that show and what it's meant to your career. Oh, Arrow's been great. I mean, um, I get to play a superhero. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I grew up, you know, collecting comics as a kid. And so... Mm-hmm. To have that chance to like cre- create a character, well, to bring to life a character like Wild Dog, because my mm-hmm. character's name is Wild Dog. So he's basically the Punisher version of the DC world. Right. And um, and for them to make him Latino, you mm-hmm. know, and to also be the character that brings that sort of like strong energy to a show that's never really had it before. Mm-hmm. I embraced that, you know, immediately. And I just, yeah, I was, uh, and it was just off an audition, you know, I just, it came down a pipeline. And um, 
you know, I didn't think anything of it. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm playing a character who's going to be court-martialed. Mm -hmm. But uh, with Arrow, their characters are shrouded in mystery because they don't want the fans to That's find right. out exactly who the characters are for the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea that this guy was going to be Wild Dog right. and that the plans for him were going to be very vast. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, get the job and... You know, I find out that, you know, uh, the costume designer is like, hey, so I need to fit you for uh, a costume and a mask. And I'm like, no, Maya, you have the wrong person. I'm, <laughs> I'm playing the guy who's right. being court-martialed. Right. She's like, no, 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 you, you're going to be Wild Dog. Wow. And I'm like, wow. who's that? I like him. Right. Yeah, she's like, oh, he's, he's, he's badass. And then I, I go on to Google's and... So you had to go history. Google and, and, and figure out... I had to Google, find out who yeah. this guy is, because I was more of a Marvel guy. Right. You know, well, I you wasn't reading Arrow. No, I wasn't. I've never read Arrow. I didn't right. know anything about, you know, the DC world mm -hmm. too much. I mean, obviously Superman and things like right. that. But Superman, Batman, Wonder yeah, Woman, but exactly. Justice League shit. Yeah, but, but that's more of the but, but, rudiments. But yeah, Wild Dog was more obscure. You know, yeah. he had a comic book back in the 80s or like 70s or something, mm -hmm. but it went away. You know, so they brought him out the vault and threw him mm -hmm. in the Arrow and... The rest is history, man. Um, Arrow was in the this sort of new DC TV era. Arrow was just the first. Is the first, yes. And um, they did something. They it set up the Flash nicely. Exactly. Um, I I saw you. I didn't understand because I wasn't. I had to go back and watch Arrow. Mm -hmm. I got into the Flash heavy when it first came out because I grew Love up looking the at the Flash. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the nostalgia made me get into Flash. Exactly. I knew about Arrow but I just wasn't watching it. Exactly. But then when they started interlap overlapping the stories yeah. it made me go check out Arrow yeah. and I didn't realize you was an Arrow until I saw the crisis stuff yeah. start to pop off. What was yeah. that like? Amazing because it's like I get to interact with Supergirl. I get to mm -hmm. interact with the Flash. Right. You know? Um, for me, identity-wise, just like having a Latino character, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. just like right in the mix of it, you right. know, especially taking Wild Dog, who's so obscure with these giant characters, to me was amazing. So um, it was a victory and a win-win. It's so much fun. I mean, I don't take that for granted. I think it was a great, um, just an amazing experience to be a part of. And, and I think personally for me, too, because... You know, up until then, I hadn't really had the opportunity to take a character like this who's, um, you know, who's evolved so much. Because I think the fun part about the show is, like, we get to do crazy storylines, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, my guy went from, like, you know, doing really crazy things in the streets mm -hmm. of, of Star City mm -hmm. to now becoming the mayor. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like the big giant arc that we're able to have fun with, with the character. And I hadn't really had that chance right. as an actor, you know? Right. You did a lot of TV, but it was like, uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but like walk on, walk off stuff. It was like, you. this is the first oh, time. Yeah. This, this is the longest series you've been in? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah the, so second, like, the second the second, longest was with Reaper uh, mm -hmm. back in 08, from, from like 07, 09. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a comedy. And, uh, but this was by far the longest. Yeah. Right. So you got to develop it in a way that you can't even develop in a film. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you're a Brooklyn dude. Yeah, man. Bushwick, Brooklyn. Born and, born and raised. Born and raised. Born and raised. No doubt. Do you know Tony Touch? Yes, I do. I yeah. love Touch. He represents Bushwick to the fullest. To the fullest. No I mean, doubt. I'm talking about when he used to like sell the mixtapes on Nickabaca Ave. Right. And I would, I would go get him. Uh, like a Puerto Rican dude from Brooklyn who knows how to break dance. You know, Tony mm -hmm. can dance. Yeah, he did. Tony, Tony does graffiti. Yeah. Tony can spit. Yeah. Tony makes beats. He DJs. But that's the elements that's of hip hop mm -hmm. right there. That's like it. that was he was there in the beginning. That's for me. Crew. 
when I was five, four, five years old, I was trying to break dance. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be a graffiti artist. You know, I wanted to do all of that. Did no you time. ever learn how to break dance or was it just a try? I mean, I was all right. <laughs> I was all right. No yeah, I mean, good enough for my mom to make me, like, you know, dance at parties yes. and try to, like, battle with the other kids. Mira, baila, baila. You, know, <laughs> you do it, too. <laughs> you do my it son too. is good, too. Oh, my son. <laughs> yeah. um, what was the energy, you know, in Brooklyn in, like, that time, like, the late 80s, early 90s? Describe it for the people who wasn't there. I mean, it was raw. It was, like, you know, Troutman was, like, a really dangerous block. Mm-hmm. Like, they was, like... Pumping, uh-huh. you know, they was like they had some dudes that was really making getting make making real money. Yeah. Um. So there was certain areas that was just real dark. He was like, you didn't go over there, right? You know what I mean? Um. You know, Bushwick. You know, was a lot of you know kids that was hired guns. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't really have too many hustlers like Harlem did. Mm-hmm. We just had a lot of knuckleheads. We Brooklyn we, keep on taking it. We we produced we manufactured kids that were like, yo, I need to go get a Bushwick kid and go rob <laughs> these dudes. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, we just had a lot of knuckleheads back in the day. So like, uh, I remember like moms, you know, like okay. You finish grade school, we gotta go to a junior high school, mm-hmm. but we gotta be careful of the crew called the Decepticons. Because oh. they out there. Only Brooklyn niggas really know. Sounds like yeah. villains. Only it's, Brooklyn niggas I mean, really know. Box cutters, like yeah, different man. people's buck fifties. Buck fifties. Oh, Just, because it cost a buck fifty at the hardware store. That buck fifty went a long way. Yeah. Is that why they called them that? Yeah. Well, I had and no that buck fifty is like 150 stitches. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it was just, it was bad. So yeah. You know, that f- I'm like nine, ten years old. I'm afraid. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, uh-oh. But yet and still, it, it just, it was just a great time. Mm. It was just so much fun. Like, I, I laughed the most. I played the most. I had great friendships. And, you know, through all that energy and danger, there was still so much love in the neighborhood. There was like, you know, like listening, like hip-hop was alive. Mm. And it was just, it was like a, Vibrant, an organism. Colorful. It, it was like breathing. you could see it in the air, yes, hip hop. Yes. You could see it living in the air because yes. when the music rattled out of somebody's Buick Regal, mm. just rattling, and it was a, a hard ass beat from like, you know, Big Daddy Kane mm-hmm. or whatever. And mm-hmm. it was just like, it just captured your heart, no you doubt. know, and it just made me like, damn, this is the life. No doubt. Now, Latino people in New York City are are part of the fabric of the creation of hip-hop. Yeah. Uh, you have roots with Dominican Republic and with Puerto Rico. Yeah, my dad's Dominican and my mom's D- Puerto Rican. Right, that's like, like Romeo and Juliet. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Back that's... in the day, it was, yeah. yeah it because was. Because people don't really know, it's not from the East Coast, there's some friction between Dominican yeah. and Puerto Rican communities. There was. There was a lot of discord there mm-hmm. for no... Um, for me, I didn't I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a young kid and and like but I think I did kind of participate in it a mm-hmm. little bit because it was kinda of like the kids who only spoke Spanish, it was kinda of like you ain't cool. Mm. So we would kind of ridicule ah, them, you know. That's some that's white supremacy right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. And I think it's also the another reason why you know, you have certain certain people that would look down upon the Latinos that were darker skinned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just like this thing of like, nah, you ain't, you know, I'm going right. to treat you a little differently. But what it breaks down to mm. on the, you know, on the caste system of race, we talk about white supremacy, is more like light-skinned, white-leaning Hispanic people, uh, people from these areas who speak Spanish. Yes. Identify as Hispanic. Right. And more darker people identify as Latin. That's what it seems like to me from the outside looking right. in. Right. But I, I think growing up, like, 
I I was I felt like I was no different from the black people in the neighborhood too. Right. Like I felt like we were all the same. Right. Like you know some I mean? Afro Latino shit. Exactly. Because yeah. it's like we got the same hair. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We got we rock the same clothes. We talk mm-hmm. the same way. We go through the same, you know, right. injustices together. So it's like Right. We're really the same. And we don't treat each other really th- any different. That's right. Because I grew up in Brooklyn and everybody, all the Latino people I knew growing up in Brooklyn were Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. Exactly. And mm-hmm. there's a little bit of Mexicans sometimes, yeah. Colombians, yep. a lot of Colombians, a lot of Colombians, Ecuador, Cubans. Cuban. But it's really for New York. That yes. experience is Dominican and Puerto, Puerto Rican. Right? Absolutely. And so I grew up in Park Slope playing baseball with mostly Dominican and Puerto Rican kids. Yes, you did. Right? And people like Fat Joe, a big pun, and then Puerto Rican dudes growing up in the Bronx, they don't have the dark brown skin like me, no. but they grow up like niggas. They grow up like black folks. They grow up in these communities yes. doing hip-hop, participating in, in black cultural things. Yes. And so you have these people who have this light skin, yes. but they grow up in these neighborhoods and they, they they refer to each other as nigga. Yes. They say nigga because you come yeah. fat, fat Joe to this day. Um, and... L.A. and other places, that you don't have Latino people, Hispanic people saying nigga no. because they don't have those same experiences. Exactly. Okay, because you know, you know my thing on. Oh, wait, non- this this comes up on the show a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really agree with non-black people saying nigga, but mm-hmm. it's funny as you say Fat Joe because I I looked at Fat Joe as black because you grew but, up in New York, but. I didn't look at I didn't look at Jennifer Lopez as black, so I ah, felt like. See, that's an interesting but she said "nigga" once on that song. And, exactly, and, and, exactly, and it was not cool. I didn't. It I, was a song I, with Fat Joe, right? No, it's Ja Rule. Ja Rule. Okay, it's Ja Rule. Yeah, but it's like I I allow fat I allow as if I'm like you know queen right. of black, you, you but the, you uh, the nigga police. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's like in my mind, I allowed you know, Fat Joe to say it, but then when J-Lo said it, I didn't. And and mainly because I feel like Fat Joe really, I looked at him as a black man, but you don't look at Jennifer Lopez as a black woman. Interesting. I mean, I will say like, when I was dating my wife Mm -hmm. at the time, and we talked about that, she was, you know, she's from the West Coast. And it's different for her. She's from LA. So her perspective on this conversation is like, you know, a lot of people were like, why did she say that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, uh, to take it even further, when she saw a big pun video, she assumed he was Mexican. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm. she didn't really understand what Puerto Ricans were. Mm. And when I told her I was Puerto Rican, that's when she was like, oh, so you like big pun. Ah. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Mm. Like, she didn't understand, you know, Puerto Rico and what that meant culturally, mm-hmm. you know, even being over there and how we talk to each other mm-hmm. and how we get along with black people and how we're right. sort of the same, mm-hmm. right. you know. And this hierarchy is um, there, too. I spent time with Tego Calderon in, in Puerto Rico. Right. And he's a dark-skinned Puerto Rican who Ex- deals with Afro-Latino issues. Exactly. Yeah. Is um, I uh, <laughs> So I'm, I'm dating my wife, and uh, she's like, we're going to Atlanta. My mm-hmm. sister-in-law is graduating from Clark, Atlanta. I was like, cool, we going. We in Atlanta. I wear my favorite Puerto Rico shirt. I'm mm-hmm. in Clark, Atlanta with a Puerto Rico shirt on, just rapping. I don't care. I'm right. just on the campus. And, uh, you know, I meet her for the first time. And the first thing she says to me is, you know, you're black, right? Mm. And I say, yeah. She was like, cool, I, I like you. Right. Right. We can keep, we can keep, we can kick it. And you, you, like, know I mean? you know there's black people in Puerto Rico, right? Exactly. <laughs> but like, right. I, I, I know, Rico. I know right. my identity. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just kind of like, do you know who you are? And I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, I totally get what this means. Mm. But um, I think there's this thing like, you know, with people who understand that Puerto Ricans talk to each other that way in New York and it kind of hits a nerve. Mm-hmm. And I get it. 
You know, I do get it. But I think it's it's an identity thing because mm. in New York, we don't see each other differently that we way. Don't. We don't. We, we, we in the same neighborhoods. Exactly. Like if, when I grew up in New York, there's a Puerto Rican dude next to me on one side, Dominican dude next yeah. to me on the other side, and the police is treating us right. the same. Mm-hmm. And the Dominican dude has the same same skin tone he as He looks you. just like me. He and looks just like you. Yeah. Well, not and they can do your hair. And the, the, the barbers. <laughs> like, yo, the, the Puerto Rican Dominican barbers, yo. Right. They get busy. They get busy, They son. get busy. So, they do. You know, if my wife goes to New York, they think she's Dominican. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, you know, they think she might be Puerto Rican too. So it's like, it's hard to, it, it, you know, it's it's that idealism that allows that conversation to happen freely, comfortably. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even my skin tone, like they ain't tripping, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. You know, I mean, even like you have Mexicans in, L- in LA that say that. And I don't agree with that at all. You know? And so it, but, it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I think it's to me it's completely contextual. It's like when you watch the movie American Me, mm-hmm. right? Which there was some gangster shit behind that movie. Some gangster shit went down. Yeah, because not everybody liked the way that Edward James almost told that story. Right. But there's a character, one of the one of the highest members of the Mexican mafia was a white dude that's, right. that's represented in the movie. That's right. And he's like, oh, the lay the whole movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He sounds yeah. straight, but it's like he's a white dude, but his everyone understood the context with that man. Uh-huh. You grew up in this neighborhood doing these things, so you were loud and you given certain passes. And, that's right. and I, you know, I can't even say it's a pass if you earned it. You know what I'm saying? Right. If you was there, you know what I'm right. saying? Exactly. Um, yeah, man, it's it's fascinating to me, especially in this era and the Trump. America era, not just Trump America, but in the world where nationalism and xenophobia and fascism is becoming very popular. And poor black and brown people are the first people to feel the brunt of that. Yeah. And particularly in America, it's Latino, Hispanic people that are feeling the brunt of it. And for black people who jump on a MAGA train and be on some build the wall shit and mm-hmm. be like, you know, if you're Puerto Rican or Dominican or Mexican, you're not down with us. Y'all got to watch that shit because mm-hmm. they're coming for us next. Best believe it. Absolutely. History will tell you. Absolutely. I think the one good thing, though, when we look at this time in history is that we're able to have this conversation, mm-hmm. this Freely. nuanced conversation. Because mm-hmm. I don't think we were ever able to have that before. Yeah. I think it was start it was definitely happening during Obama's administration, mm-hmm. you know, because of all the injustices of, you know, with, He triggered um, the racist. Exactly. Yeah. He triggered it. And so it's st- that conversation started happening th- through the uh the system. Yeah, first black the, president definitely triggered. I think that's when we first started outwardly seeing a bunch of racism like on social media and stuff like that because before yeah. it was more hidden. Well, he was right. also the first president to successfully use social media. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? He was a right. social media president. Exactly. You went to LaGuardia. Yeah, man. Now, Steve Baramucci, who helps me with this show, he had a theory that I thought was interesting. He compared LaGuardia and other specialized schools that a lot of our guests end up going to to Hogwarts. <laughs> you know what I love it. That's a I good theory, it. right? Yes, I like that. We had Michael Rappaport on I love him. Yeah. Do you now? I love that guy. <laughs> him, <laughs> him and, He's this, crazy. This hasn't aired yet when we filmed this. Yeah. Him and we all started arguing. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, him and Jasmine argued because you Michael has developed into a controversial character. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I grew up with I my relationship with Michael Rapport is similar to my relationship with you. We all people from New York yeah. who came up and now we in LA yeah. making our moves. Yes. And Mike is as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to hip hop, Mike is down by law. And Jasmine's younger than me. She don't got the relationship with Michael Rapport that I have. For sure. Not in, in terms of artistic output. Right. And in terms of just the friendship. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But, you know, he went to Martin Luther King. Right across the street. Right across the street. Right across the street. Right? Yes, right. right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I used to go to LaGuardia. When I went to Brooklyn Tech, LaGuardia had the gospel 
show concert yeah, every year. That's right. Yes. Right. They and do it, I used to go to look at the girls. Like my man, 88 oh. Key says, we was trying to bag chicks. Right. Yeah. LaGuardia had the hot girls. Yes. But them kids at MLK was dangerous as fuck. They were. You know, and I told, I said, Mike, to Mike Rapper, I said, were you a bully? Because when we had to go to LaGuardia, we had to watch out for the MLK kids. Right. So what was that? Yeah, how did he survive that? Yo, he was like, he thought he was a tough guy. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Back yeah, in the day. <laughs> you know, he's a tough Jew. He's a tough Jew. So, yeah. New York, a, a tough Jew yeah. from New York. He had a couple fights. Yeah, a little a couple, of a couple but fights. But describe that LaGuardia, MLK, downtown Manhattan scene. Um. Well, so I never saw MLK you know, Martin Luther King didn't, they would just, they would let them out of school earlier than us. Mm -hmm. So we never saw them. Okay. So there was never altercations. Mm -hmm. um, but LaGuardia was, for me, it, and it people, was... And for people who don't know, that's the school that fa the movie Fame. Exactly. And the TV Fame, show Fame the TV was, based show was based on. Oh, yeah. Wow. Shout out and to so, Irene Cara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Like I said, it's it's everything to me because I I learned the foundation of acting. I, mm -hmm. I that's where I, I understood the craft of it, mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with it, and it made me want to dive in further. Even though I, I declared acting at five, mm -hmm. and I was on a collision course for it, but in Laguardia I was able to really realize like, oh, I can figure this out. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a craft to this. There's there's this science of it that I'll probably never master ever in my life. Mm -hmm. It'll take forever to figure out, but I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'm all in, you know, um, especially like just being Latino and just like seeing all these movies that just make me go crazy and I want to be a part of it. This is it. This is where I have to figure it out. And I think they do a great job of it because it's th the teacher's um, communicate to you in a way of preparing you from the beginning you walk mm -hmm. in through those doors of like, if you want to do this as a career, then this is how we're going to communicate to you and this is what we're going to do to prepare you for that. So they do the very best to situate it as a conservatory mm -hmm. to give you all the acting in the morning and then all your academics later, you know, that we have to fulfill by New York state law, mm -hmm. but we're going to give you as much of a conservatory mm. vibe so you can understand this craft and you can get what you need, you know? And, uh, I mean, it, like I said, it, it set the foundation and I don't, I mean, I still use everything that I've learned wow. from that school to this day. You moved to LA pretty early on and, yeah. you know, a lot of people have make make amazing careers in New York. What made you want to move to L.A.? Did you already have people here or did you just want to do TV more than stage? Well, I was already acting in New York. So I graduated LaGuardia. They were able to get me an agent, which mm -hmm. was awesome. Yeah, I did a showcase and I got an agent. Mm -hmm. So I started acting. I did like Law & Order. Mm -hmm. I did um, a couple independent movies. And um, my buddy who graduated LaGuardia was like, hey, we should go to L.A. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Okay, let's do wow. it. Wow. You know, like it was just, he was just like, we should go out there. That's where the auditions What's his name? are. His name is Diego, okay. Diego Lopez. Okay. What's up, Diego? Okay. You know, he, he, he was like, look, you know, there's, the studios are out there, the, the casting directors mm -hmm. are there. And I was like, I'm cool because I have an agency who's bi coastal, so let's do it. So we go out there. And he was a uh, personal training some guy, and this guy was like, "Well, if you guys are gonna go to L.A., I'm, I want to donate a card to you, so just to say, you really? know, you know, go go make a career, go make a life here, and I'll donate a car." So we had to go pick up the car in Vegas. So we fly to Vegas, we pick up the car, and then we drive the car from Vegas to Los Angeles. But on our way, to, when we get to Los Angeles, it was rainy and slick. 
Car lost control, hit a divider, the car blew up, cars on flames. Jeez. Mind you, we were just having a conversation like, we're going to kill this town. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to freaking murder. We're going to oh, be God. so big and huge. We're going to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell broke loose. Sounds like just, L.A. Yep. It was the beginning, but amazing. That's your uh, origin story. Yep. Wow. Now you're a superhero. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's talk about your trip to L.A. and how successful it was let's talk about some of your film work yeah um coach carter yeah like i said in the intro you pick things that have like lasting value um samuel jackson was in this movie but at that time in his career i feel like that role could have gone to any like it could have gone to larry fishburne or yeah or denzel washington he yeah. happened to get that role yeah. this is Channing tatum's first movie yeah ashanti's in this movie yes um any interesting stories from working on that film? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I wasn't going to get that film because I had a really bad audition. Mm -hmm. I thought, me and the director, I read for him, and and I wish I, I, wish I could speak with Sarah Finn, who was the casting director on there, mm -hmm. but it was like we were arguing in the room. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember how that started, but it was... I've never done that before, mind you. I usually do my thing and I get in and get out, right? And I just remember that conversation with him being really heated mm. and it almost like like we were going to get at each other in the mm. room. And then I walked out of there and I remember the casting assistant was like, hey, just take a breath. It's okay. I'm sorry that happened. It's cool. Like, you did a great job. Just go home. And I'm like, the hell what the hell was that and i'm like <laughs> you know i was like well you know my big ass mouth and my attitude just threw that away i wasn't gonna get that and then sure enough i get a call like they want you to be the guy to play timo you know mm -hmm. and uh and i was just like whoa you know and uh and i was just excited like because i you know on paper this character was like jumping off the page mm. and and the reason i was excited was it wasn't just because it was a big part, but it was because I hate seeing movies where they portray the inner city character incorrectly or in a way that's not authentic. Mm -hmm. And not not in terms of like his vibe or his energy, but just like like who he is, mm -hmm. you know. Um I I just needed him to be human. I mm. needed him to I, I wanted to see the human I never see the humanity in these characters, mm. you know, and I just felt like I want this kid. I want people to see why he's broken. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I cared about. It's like, this kid's broken. I know so many kids like this. Like, if we could just humanize him in a way, right. then I can, then I, then we can, then we're going somewhere, you know? And that's what I cared about. It's all I cared about. Right. Um, the only problem with Coach Carter for me at the time was like, man, we're only shooting it in LA and we're, if the story takes place in the Bay, I had no one to like, help me with the Teach Bay the accent. Bay. I just, mm. I couldn't find it anywhere. There was mm -hmm. just no one. I mean, if I wanted an LA accent, I have plenty of friends from LA, mm -hmm. but it's different. You know, the Bay's is a little different. I, I, I lived in LA for about 10 years and coming from New York, like we do, when you think of California, like, you know, you think of like, you know, David uh, Lee Roth, I wish they all could be California. <laughs> yeah. You think of like sunny Southern Los Angeles, Southern right. California. You don't think of the Bay Area as California. Mm -hmm. Like right. when you watch like early videos from like the coup, 
Mm-hmm. They're wearing winter coats because it get cold in the Bay. You know, <laughs> right. but you think in California it's just sunny. Right. Um, for Latino characters, you spoke about Arrow. Um, the character being written as Latino where he wasn't before. Right. Right. But the Latino experience is different for for a kid in Houston than is different for, than than it is for a kid in L.A. Than yes. it's different for a kid in the Bay. Than it's different for a kid in Miami. Yes. Than it's different for a kid in New York City. Mm-hmm. Me as a fan of uh, movies. Excuse me. And coming from New York and understand it. And by the time Coach Carter had come out, I spent some time in the Bay. So what you're speaking on, I noticed. Yeah. I love that movie. I love your performance. But I didn't notice. I said, because I know you. Yeah. I'm like, Rick Gonzalez is from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this character's from Richmond or Oakland, California. Yeah. Like, 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 do you feel like Hollywood should do a better job of trying to make sure that that part of it is accurate? I think the the responsibility should always be trying to give the part to the best actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, whoever's going to... The film first. Embody the character, the spirit of the character. Um, And and that that could mean many different things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, if the character looks like he's from the Bay, but the character doesn't resonate, then it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather take the guy who doesn't really look like he's from the Bay, but is giving me all this layer and energy and stuff that's going to pop off the screen, that's mm-hmm. going to make me feel something. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately that's what I cared about was like, well, I can't find the Bay in him, but I can I can just take his emotion and his raw energy mm-hmm. and I can just make that be the centerpiece okay. and focus on that. You know, and and that's to, to me, I just played it like a transfer student. Okay. Like he's been in the Bay for a minute and, ah, okay. you know, he's just a transfer student from West, right. East Coast, wherever. And now he's in, in the Bay with his cousin, Rennie Hustlin. Right, right, Cause right. Because Timo represented the kid who doesn't have a mother and father. Right. Rennie's his family. Right. But that family's not really family. He's making mm. him do something that's tearing his soul apart yeah he's walking with something on his chest and he's making everyone feel terrible for it because he's a feel good Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and he's literally has a gun in his pocket and he's like afraid for his life Mm -hmm. and so he's on edge so it's kind of like you know i know those kids you know what i mean and there's something that you know they're screaming for help yeah you know so um so I felt like for me, it was more important to find that. Yeah. And everyone doesn't always have an accent and they can be living somewhere their whole life and they may not have an accent. Yeah, you might I, not be at a place where they're you're from. Right. I represent Brooklyn and no one accuses me of have, having a Brooklyn accent or sound like I'm from Brooklyn ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I represent Brooklyn to the fullest, but it's, never, <laughs> it's not like I, the way I talk and act. Right. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, you from Brooklyn. Well, people do it to me. Yeah. All the time. You seem like, like you're from New York, though. Yeah. It's like, like oh, you're from New York. Yeah, you like, got a yeah. whole vibe. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but, it's like, but it's like a New York from a certain time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Old New York. You from old, old New York. The old New York. Yeah. Like that New York. No one um, knows where I'm from. <laughs> I think that Roll Bounce is an underrated film. Thank you, sir. Roll Bounce comes on like, you know, USA or TBS. And it's the type of film where it comes on UB, uh, TNT or something. Yeah. And I'm, I'm watching it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. A shout out to Bow Wow yeah. and, uh, with Brandon T. Jackson. Yes. You know Brandon what I'm saying? It's hilarious. Um, did you have to, were you skating already? No, I didn't know how to skate. Did wow. you have to learn how to skate? I had to learn how to skate. I, I was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I was doing whole routines. I suck. Like whole dance routines. But if you see, you see, I was in the back the okay. whole time. Right? <laughs> I was in the back. Okay. So they have like a skating body double for but you. But I was like, skate did we have doubles? Man. Yeah, we asked. No, no, no. They, no I was I doing all we that had doubles. We had to do it. But you know, I was like I said, they had me in the back, and I, as long as I could get the one two, right. you know what I mean. And then they would just cut away. Shout and get out to Wesley, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because Bow was killing it. Yeah, Wesley Jonathan, shout Wesley Jonathan. Wes- Wesley came to my wedding. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Shout out to Wesley. Shout out to Wes. That's he was like guy. such a smooth pimp in that yes. movie. <laughs> yes. He, he just, he, he came in. We were already shooting. They brought him in, mm-hmm. you know, and he learned all his stuff. I was like, that's not fair, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's ill. He's that's ill. That's not fair. You just can't come in here like, you know, and everyone else was like 17, 16. I'm mm-hmm. like 25, 26. <laughs> Y'all trying to teach me how to do but you something look brand young. new. I did, but mm-hmm. I ain't. It was the hair. Yeah, it was the hair. <laughs> right, I had the fro gone. You had the famous fro, bro. Fro, no, they shaved everything, you know? <laughs> it was just like, it was fun. Like, honestly, like, that made me want to put a skating rink in my house. Because mm. there there's something up now I realize why... When you play a dope ass song and you just skate, you just want to be by yourself. Mm-hmm. You mm. know that feeling is incredible. Did you ever go to the skating ring when you were young, or you just did not? No, skate at I all? never went to Skate Key. Skate Key, Empire never, Roller no, Rink. No, I never did. No, nope. we had little Kim on. She was talking about how people used to come to Empire Roller Rink. Yeah, to get robbed. It was that's that's that's, <laughs> that's why they went there. That's what yeah. Skate Key was and all that. It yeah. was like you know, it's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sk- yeah. It was dangerous in New York. It was dangerous. Yeah. Um, talk to me about working on War of the Worlds. Wow, yeah. Um, so uh, my manager's like, hey, you have an audition for a Spielberg film. Right. They put me on. T- so I auditioned. I went in and I auditioned for a very vague scene. It was like right. one scene. I put myself on there. I didn't hear anything for like, I don't know, I want to say maybe three months. I didn't hear anything of it, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden I get a call and they're like, hey, so that thing with Spielberg, you're going to do it. But what I read was just like kind of like for him to just kind of see me read lines. Understood. So um, they then they finally sent me the script, what I what I'm gonna do, and the scene with Tom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was cool. Tom Cruise for those who haven't seen the Steven Spielberg yes, remake yes, Tom of Cruise. War of the Worlds. Yeah, <laughs> he's name dropping like the, so. Me and Tom, are right? Yeah. First name basis. Uh, you know that the only Tom, right? right? The uh, Tom, the Tom. Uh, but yeah, we just we did it, and it was just. It didn't hit me quite, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of like, oh, cool, I'm doing a Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Like, it, I don't know. At that time, it's classic. I was just in the groove, and I was just working. You're a working like, actor. I was just working. I was like, all right, cool, I'm going to go do this thing, you right. know? It's a good thing on my resume to have so I can get yeah, more work. great. Yeah. Cool. And then I get there, and they're like, hey, Rick, so uh, in about five minutes, we're going to head to set to shoot, and we'll put you in a van, and we'll head on up. You know, we're shooting in Bayonne, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and... um by the way, like the entire street, they took about two blocks and they rigged the whole street of explosives, mm-hmm. cars. They put a giant crater in the middle of an intersection. Um, they rigged like all the windows for two blocks. Mm. Um, I mean, and yet it felt like an indie film, right? Wow. So what I mean by that is like it just it didn't feel big yet. All these huge things were happening, but it was just very calm and chill. We had about maybe like 150 extras. Um, and so I'm heading in, and then that's when my heart starts to race because I'm like, now it hit me. Mm-hmm. Like all that stuff that I put aside, I didn't allow myself to think about, boom, just hit. And and Steven just, you know, like, hey, man, you know, and uh, <laughs> He's like, I just want to run the lines. I just want to hear the lines out loud, mm-hmm. you know, if that's okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. You can run the lines. Uh, Yul Vasquez, who's with mm-hmm. me in the film, he's a fantastic actor. And, um, you know, we're running the lines. And then I'm like, holy smokes. Like, it's this is happening. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. You know, and... and like uh, me, and like, you, you grew up on Spielberg. 100%. I yeah. mean, he's Michael Jordan. Yeah, mm-hmm. for the film, yeah. He's Michael Jordan. That's it. Yeah. Ain't nobody else above it. And I... Um, 
when I talked to Tom Cruise, because he had just did a film called The Last Samurai with Edward Zwick, who directed right. it. He was culturally appropriate in... Uh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> I'm a fan of Tom Cruise, by the way, but yeah, no, Last, last Samurai was, last a, Samurai. was a, a fucking stretch. But, but they always do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking stretch. But, right? it, but that's always being done. No doubt. You know, no that's doubt, all, that's no doubt. always being done. But I Matt Damon like, did that a few years later. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, keep yeah. going. <laughs> right. It was a good film, though. I loved yeah, yeah, it. And I, I was like... I've enjoyed that I film. I really loved that film. I did like that film. And I was like, hey, man, what was it like working with Ed Zwick? Like, how he's like... Ed Zwick, we're working with Spielberg, man. Like, <laughs> my about Ed Zwick. Right. Like, this is the man right here. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Okay, you're okay. right, you're right, you're right. My bad. Uh, Tom you know. Cruise keeping it real. 100%. No doubt. 100%. It was great. It was just, it, and it was just the coolest. Like, you know, he has his DP, Janusz Kaminski, who's like done all his stuff, mm -hmm. like always cracking jokes on him. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think the one thing that I, I really appreciated for him because I, I stopped him and I said, "Hey, man, thank you for uh, you know giving me the job." He's like, "No, no, I, I, I saw your tape and you were the right person. You for earned you. this job. You, you earned. You the don't job. owe me. You don't owe me things. You don't owe me anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, that's dope. You know what I mean? Like, like don't submit to me. Like mm -hmm. you earned it. You were the best person for the job. Right. You're great. You know that's I love important what you're doing. in these relationships with." celebrities and yeah. famous people it's like you have to know your worth mm -hmm. and like 88 so we learned lessons today we, a Gina, lot Gina said know your worth 88 Keys said I'm never the wrong guy never because sometimes you think you're the wrong guy no. I'm never the wrong guy no Um, but just owning that own that your moment. space own your space and I think that's something that you know I definitely had to learn you know in my 20s because I've I think I had that mindset of like oh thank you mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and I'm like wait why would I say thank you if I've been blessed to have this talent. Wow. I'm earning it. I'm earning it. I'm yeah. earning it. And and if people have a problem with me owning my space, and that's their problem, that's not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's their issue. Yeah. Will Ferrell. Yeah. Did a movie called Old School. You play a character called Spanish. Yeah. This is one of the most iconic comedy movies of all time. Yeah. This is one of the most iconic roles of all time. You did a great job. Thank you. Um. This is first real Will's first real big starring role yeah. outside of SNL. Um, Night at the Roxbury came out. Yeah, they, you it, know, didn't, it didn't do well. But doing all this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that yeah. you know, it's really, it's really, yeah. Everybody gets night. Old school set it off. Old school. Set, old school set it uh, off. Todd Phillips. Yes, it is. Who just did Joker? Joker. Yes. Which is one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. When I like, okay. I just I I was late on Joker. I knew I should watch it. I'm I'm a I'm a, I watch all the comic book movies and superhero yeah. movies. And I know Joaquin Phoenix and De Niro. When Joker was popping in the theaters, I was torn. I didn't get a chance to watch it. I just watched it recently. Did I watched you? it maybe two weeks ago. In the last two weeks, I've seen it maybe seven times. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Todd Phillips. To see what Todd Phillips went from. Fuck. I'm just. I'm. I'm now thinking about it. Like, and I didn't know Todd Phillips had did it. Yeah. I watched Joker and I'm like, fuck, this shit is good. Yeah. And then the credits pulled up. It said Todd Phillips. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, tell me about working with Todd Phillips. Yeah, I mean, you know, he understands comedy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like at that time, like And Joker's a stand-up comedian in that in that in yeah, that universe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just, you know, and he had Scott Armstrong, who was a writer on there as well. Mm -hmm. And he had just really smart people around him. Like, I just he like we had there was so many elements to old school happening mm -hmm. and he had full command of it all. Like mm -hmm. he, it was almost like it was in disarray, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. It was just like a symphony mm -hmm. of like characters coming in, Jeremy Peven mm -hmm. and then Snoop, and mm -hmm. then like all these things happening. You had that so many realistic with Snoop scene. That seemed like exactly what Snoop would be doing at that <laughs> <moment>. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um 
and, and you know uh, all of all of us the pledges. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like creating this 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 uh, group of pledges. Like and who? By, mind you, like all these guys go on to do amazing things mm-hmm. after old school. Like so, like he just had a great eye. Like mm-hmm. you know, Spanish and Hatch. There's another character named Hatch who I'm always hanging out with in the mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. They were like. They were like this duo, this we head duo that I would always like do the craziest things. And so in the script, we had a bunch of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. We get to set and Todd would go, sorry, man, I had to give it to Will. Right. And I like, hi, right, man, I understand. Right, right, right. <laughs> I totally understand. Right. He's I'm making a movie friggin- here. The movie's king. The film the, is king. The man's amazing. Yeah. Like he, it, I, I understand. Like he was in a zone, mm-hmm. you know, like what Will was doing is like, and I mean, I, he's he's a legend in SNL, yeah. so he can do this, right? Mm-hmm. But what he was doing in old school, like those takes, I just wish they would just release the the bloopers, the outtakes, the outtakes, because he didn't miss. There's gonna be like an anniversary edition with the DVD with the DVD outtakes. It's gotta be incredible. I know. I just showed my age with the DVD outtakes. Yeah. Outtakes, right? <laughs> You've been showing your age a lot today. I know. Uh, it, it, I, is it Will Ferrell? I thought it was Will Ferrell all this time. Ferrell. Because you're saying with a little accent or something. Will Ferrell. Which, which one is the pronoun? Will Ferrell. Will, Will Ferrell, I think it is. Oh, okay. Will, I don't know. Will tomato, Ferrell. tomato. I always heard Ferrell, but it's your show. Let's call the whole thing You off. said it it's so fancy. I was like, Will oh, Ferrell. okay. <laughs> Talk to me about the hazing scene with the cinder blocks. We had to drop the cinder blocks. Yeah. In that movie. Uh, we were in uh, UCLA. Mm-hmm. It was cold. <laughs> uh, had my pants down. Oh. Um, Joseph, who plays Blue. My boy uh, Blue. My boy Blue. My boy Blue. <laughs> uh, sweetest old man. You're my boy Blue. Never complained at all. Um, we was we was complaining. We was the <laughs> ones complaining. You know, it was like, we cold. Like, can we, you know, whoa, whoa. And uh, so I look over and like, you know, he's just like, you know, just chilling. And I'm like, can we get Blue a blanket or something? Mm-hmm. Get him good? Like, you know, and I just remember that day, like, he just like don't complain, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just just do your thing. Like he was very sweet. Mm. Um, we just had a good time. We was always joking and laughing and having a great time. Like most of the pledges just hung out together. Wow, you know, and uh, you know, I remember we wrapped that film and we all gave each other like gifts. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So Rob Corddry gave me a, a Brooklyn brilliant actor, a, amazing. He gave yeah. me a Brooklyn sweat. I still have it to this day. Yeah. Uh, Patrick. Um, Patrick from from Suits, he wrote, he drew like these like doodles, like he used to like do this art and there's like this abstract art thing and he, I put it in frames and he gave mm. it to me and I'm just like, incredible. Mm. Like we were all just giving each other these gifts and it was just like, we all realized like this was like probably the most fun of just like hanging out. A real brotherhood. Yeah, yeah. it was just like just hanging out. Y'all made history know? with that movie, man. Yeah, it, it was just crazy. So Blue is really everybody's boy on set? Man, he he was just he was he was quiet, you know. He was just really chill. I mean, he was he was pretty old, you know. He, he was, passed away a couple of years after the movie, right? Uh, yeah, I want to say he mm-hmm. did. Yeah, he did. But he wasn't young by any means. Right. But he was he, you know, he was super sweet. Um, this show has given me the opportunity to talk to a lot of actors mm-hmm. that had the honor and the pleasure and the pr- privilege of working with the great John Singleton. Yeah, man. And you are no different. You also work with John Singleton mm-hmm. on Illegal Tender. Yeah. Um, talk to me about that experience and what John was like as a leader, director, artist. You know, John is a visionary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, being a part of that was a blessing. Um, 
he's a walking USC film school. Yeah. You know, like the the art of the close-up, you know, the art of the wide and, you know, how to tell a story emotionally using the camera and using certain close-ups and certain shots and how and why that happens. Okay. Like, I was learning how to, I was learning how to become a director just by being around him, wow. you know. Um, that's who he was. And, and so, like, he, he, he'd share this knowledge with anybody who was willing to learn. Like, that's the kind of person he is. Like, mm-hmm. he cares about sharing knowledge. Um, but he has this energy and, you know, fire in mm-hmm. him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, like, he's just like, I wish I had that energy. Like, you know, he just, he's one of those people that walks with it. Mm-hmm. And um, doing Illegal Tender, like, he understood what the film needed to be, how the film needed to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he saw the challenges of making this movie and made real decisions in real time to say, we're going to do this. And, and so that way the film becomes successful. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why the film is sort of like a cult classic in its own niche and lane, because yeah. he was able to find what worked in the film and be able to like highlight that, you know, and, uh, and that's just a testament to him understanding film mm-hmm. and understanding how movies work and what makes a movie successful or how to make it successful. Um, and so I had a front row seat to that, mm-hmm. you know, and I had uh, a friendship through that, you know, where sometimes I text him, you know, and just say, why did Pac say this? Mm-hmm. You know, and he'll text me back. What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, is what, this is what he meant. This right, is right, what right. It is. You know, it's just like, I love that. That's you right. Know, that's just, I miss him. That's amazing. You know, he was, uh, I got to have one conversation with him. I worked on Snowfall as a background, but uh, it's all right. I'm in, right. you know. She's mad because she played a crackhead on Snowfall. Uh, I was not a crackhead. I was a 15 year old mom. Right. I keep telling on crack. you. <laughs> I was not a crackhead. But we were at Crafty and I was talking to myself about what snack I should get. And he helped me pick my snack. And then I was like, I looked up and I was like, oh shit, this is John Singleton talking to me mm-hmm. about freaking snacks. <laughs> piece of John Singleton. Rest in peace. He left such an impact on what we do. Such an impact. Um, now, you being a kid from Brooklyn. Yeah. Who grew up in the hip-hop era. You love hip-hop so much that you had to participate in it. Mm-hmm. You and me have made music together. Yeah, we did. I'm very happy about this. Man, I love our songs. Yeah, it's a good, good, good song. Yeah. Good, good. Um, talk to me. Well, let's start like this. Who's the best rapper, actor, or actor-rapper? Yeah, I have to go with either Drake Drake and Donald Glover. Donald Glover? Yeah, those two. To me, yeah. I think Donald's really good lyricist. Yeah, he's not just a lyricist. He just he does whatever the fuck he wants to do. Well, yeah, he, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. He's yeah, a songwriter he's, as well. Yeah. So, he's, so my friend told me a long time ago, when you master flow, you're at, you end up singing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, you become a singer. That so, makes sense. like... Those guys mastered flows. Like, they just, they get it. Um, Now, I am a curator of hip-hop culture. Mm. And I like to think of myself as an expert. And I have expertise in this. Yes, You're a very good rapper. Man, that means a lot. Thank you. For real. Like, I'm not just saying that because you're here on the show. You know, and I've met a lot of, you know, actors who rap. Uh, Afeon Crockett comes to mind. Yeah. You know, certain people come to mind. I was having a conversation with you before we had this interview. Yeah. And I said, I want to talk about hip-hop. He was like, I don't do that no more. I don't rap anymore. Break that down for me, brother. 
Please. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> I'm tired. Tired of rap. <laughs> I'm tired, Quan. I'm done. I just, a quick story. I did the Rocksteady anniversary a couple of years ago. Shout out to Crazy Legs. Yeah. Tony Touch. Um, me, me and Bahamadia performing. Dope. Right? And Bahamadia got on stage. I said, that was dope. She said, Kwali, I'm sick of performing on all these rap songs. She said, I am a woman of age. She said, I'm mad at myself for writing all these super lyrical raps when I was younger. Because now I got to perform all these raps. And they're super lyrical. I don't be feeling like being all super lyrical all the time. So is that what it is? No, it ain't okay, that. Okay. No, it ain't definitely, it definitely ain't Muhammad that. was like, I, I, I worked too hard when I was younger. But I know what she mean by mm-hmm. that, though. Because I do listen to my old stuff. And I'm like, ah. You was too lyrical? Uh, not even lyrical. It's just like. I don't think you're being authentic enough. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't think you're being authentic enough. And I think that's just, that was just a due to me being in the game so long mm-hmm. and now putting myself through the system. Mm-hmm. Like I was already in a label system and trying to find success in a certain way. Right. But I think ultimately the reason I, I the reason I left was because I spiritually felt like I'm done. Okay. Like I was done. You know, I put in like at least 13 years of like being a serious actively artist. trying to create a career out of music until I, I reached the point spiritually where I was like, yeah, no, I'm not supposed to be doing that. Mm. You know, I you could do it for fun. You, you could do it for fun. But ultimately, I think all of my purpose and energy should be focused on what my first love was was always was acting, mm-hmm. you know, and I think. I don't think I've really accomplished enough as an actor and am doing enough as an actor for me to like really separate myself and my purpose and give it to music. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I was doing and it was causing more friction with the people that I cared about the most and ultimately friction in my soul and me and like what it was doing to me. Mm. So I just felt like, well, if music is supposed to be this thing that enlightens and helps and and enriches because it's a purposeful thing then it shouldn't have a negative impact on me Mm -hmm. and it was only causing a negative impact so then that's when I had to be honest with myself and say well then and but it wasn't uh it was an immediate thing once the spirituality of me just understood it it was like boom got it done that's commendable I mean, I wish I would hear more raps from you, but that's also commendable for you to understand yeah. your higher purpose and, and approach it from a spiritual place. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, you try to master every trade and you'll be half-ass at everything mm-hmm. you do, but you like... Well, I think, I think I was also, and to be perfectly honest, like what I was dealing with was validation. Mm-hmm. It was dealing with an insecurity in me that was like, well, now that I'm getting all this attention and validation and acting, maybe I'll get it from music too. Mm. And I was forcing it and trying to seek validation in the music scene, especially when they were always rejecting me, mm-hmm. you know? So I was working even harder to get that, you know, that validation from mm-hmm. the people who felt like, well, you act, you shouldn't be doing music. Mm. So it made me work even harder, you know? Um, and it hurt, I, I'm... I, it hurt me in terms of an actor because I felt like it didn't allow me to just focus on the business of acting, my business of acting. Mm. Uh, it didn't allow me to focus on a lot of the projects that I was working on, like just trying to understand certain things. So it was really damaging in many ways. Mm. And I think, um, you know, 
getting to the root of your insecurities and and how they make you do certain things will really help to understand like, well, then maybe I shouldn't be doing them. And when you understand that, then you could kind of like alleviate that. And then you feel, I feel a weight lifted off of me mm. because I would give myself this, like I would finish doing a, 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 a job and come home and give myself this homework of having to write all these songs wow. and, and, and this, and this, and this thing in my head of like, I got this date and I got to put these songs out and I got to reach these blogs and I was literally outside of Hot 97 one time just trying to get at DJs and just trying to as a as a working as a working known actor. actor. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You know, like it, it was it was like yeah, I'm an actor but I still got to grind, so I got to hustle, I still got to, you know, and so I'm I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just um divide it divided me. Mm. You know, so I realized no, that's it's not who I am. Right. It's not who I am. Shout out to DJ Spinelec. Yes. My my guy, yes. DJ Yes. Great guy. Um, yeah, we did some songs. We did great songs. You did together. great songs. And you yes. you made Spinelec, you challenged him as a producer. Really? Because Spinelec, he's telling me he got these songs he's working on with you. I'm yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Shout out to Spinelec. Yes, um, sir. Shout out and rest in peace, Sean Price. Man. Rest in peace, Sean Price. I know you're just not doing music no more, but before you stopped, you <clears throat> worked with Sean Price. Yes, I did. Elite MCs don't get to work with Sean Price, brother. No. No. You know, talk to me about working with the great legendary Sean Price. Man, he's just a big bag of jokes and hugs and mm-hmm. just he's just a funny, he's a teddy bear, that dude. But mm-hmm. he's just he's just fun. Yeah. You know? And he also was in Decepticons. <clears throat> he also was in Decepticons. <laughs> the people that I feared as a no kid. No doubt. This is a game, <laughs> yes. but it sounds like villains off the That's TV. That's because you see, you think the Decepticons is is Wick Wicky. You know what I'm saying? You think it's Sam Witwicky? Sam Witwicky. You know what I'm saying? You think they're hanging out with Sam Witwicky and shit. That's not what they was hanging out with back no, then. No, these, these dudes look like Sean Price. No, they look like Sean Price. They look like Sean Price. You go the other way. Yeah. You go the other way. Um, nah, I was just like, you know, knowing uh, knowing Prodigy and... Rest in peace of Prodigy. Rest in peace of Prodigy. Like mm-hmm. just being in like just being in this like circle of MCs and stuff and me doing music and putting stuff out. And, you know, he listens to people. Mm-hmm. You know, he he does listen to people. Like Sean, Sean Sean shouted me out on his last album that came out. The the Imperious Rex. Yeah. Yeah. The, and he talked about he said, I'll be I I I I go to the juice bar and I see Talib Kweli, <laughs> but that's a real story because I I I I literally was I got from off of a tour and I'm going up Flatbush Avenue at a store called Juices for Life or something yeah. like that on Flatbush, yeah. uh, on uh, Flatbush at like Sixth or Seventh Avenue, and I'm and Sean Price was standing outside the juice bar, yeah. and I hopped out the car. I'm like Sean, what are you doing in front of the juice bar? Right. And he's like, yo, I I drink juices. I'm healthy. <laughs> and he put that in a bar on his last album. That's who he is. Yeah. That's who he is. Like, we would just, like, he would just make fun of me on text just to mm-hmm. say hi. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's the kind of person he is. Like, yeah. Um, but, like, also shoot me a text and be like, yo, you can rap. You can rap. You know what I mean? Like, I like that bar. I like, yeah. you know, I like that verse. He you sent know? me a text once. He used to be like, every time I saw Sean, we hung out. As soon as when we broke, when we left, that, he's like, I just want to let you know, I'm a better rapper than you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. What he, That was always how yep. he, but Kwali, that, I'm better than you, right? right? He texted me once. He was like, I just heard this verse that you did on this uh, song that Status Selector played, mm-hmm. and I got to say, you're at least as good as a rapper as I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> That's who he is. Yeah. That's who he is. Like, uh, 
you know, and 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 like to get that acknowledgement from him was like everything, you know, mm-hmm. and and so there was a time when I only wrote just to kind of like make him for Sean pride mm-hmm. proud, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It'd be like, I need my boss to be just a little more potent than his. Yeah, I'm just going at him, you know what I mean? Man, and, God bless Sean Price, bro. Yeah. For real, like for him to make us step up as artists like that, yeah, is is very incredible. That's what he gave yeah. to the world. Yeah, he he was like, I want to start a group, mm-hmm. and this was like when people still was on AIM. Mm-hmm. You know, he would text oh, me wow. and AIM, and he'd be like, I want to start GMR, and I'm putting you in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm on, babe. Right. I'm on. I'm about to be on this show. Right. We gonna right. do something. I'm in a group with Sean Price. It, it never happened. But shout out to. Uh, Black Milk and uh, Guilty Simpson, who actually got to do a group with him called Random Acts. Yep. Great album, great project. Great project. Um, Damn you, Hex. Shout out to Hex Murder. <laughs> Hex, we hate you, Hex. We hate you. We hate you, Hex. Hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said in the intro, brother, you have worked so hard. Thank you. That you're like ubiquitous. Like if you watch TV film, you know, you've seen Rick Gonzalez work. Out of all the roles that you've played, mm-hmm. What's the one that really taught you something, brought you joy, or helped you evolve as a as a man? Um, I would have to say Reaper and Arrow. Okay. And the reason is, is because, <clears throat> simply put, as an actor with Reaper, uh, I wasn't, I know I wasn't the typical choice to play that part. Mm-hmm. This character was um, very dry, the comedy was a little bit different out of my lane, mm-hmm. but the, the the creators of the show, Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters, saw something that they were able to communicate to me in a way that they were like, in the writing, we're going to help you find this character, mm-hmm. and it's going to push you, but then you're going to get the rhythm. You're going to find the flow, mm-hmm. and, and sure enough, I was able to understand comedy in a different way, and so they challenged me. And I feel like to this day, it's opened up another side of me in terms of comedy that I didn't think was there. Mm-hmm. So being a part of that show really helped me <clears throat> to just understand me as an actor and just continue to grow. And I'm mm-hmm. thankful for those moments where I'm able to like really step it up and yeah. and, and unlock things, you know. Um, and then I think with Arrow, I think Arrow just kind of like personifies this moment in my life where I'm stable. I'm grounded as a human being, as a man. And so I'm a father now. Mm. I have a six-year-old. Congrats, brother. Uh, Thank you. And, you know, with all the lessons that I'm learning in life, I'm now applying them. Mm -hmm. I'm at a place where I'm like, now it's, it's, you know, connecting and I'm, literally adding to these lessons and just grabbing onto them and using them. And I think that's why I was able to do Arrow because to embody someone like Renee, who's riddled with flaws and choices, but wants to grow and be better is literally kind of me right now, you know, Mm. just kind of like, you know, I, I want to be a father. I want to do the right. I want to, you know, um, be a great husband, be a great father, you know what I mean? And a great actor, you know? So uh, that aspiration allows me to play Renee on Arrow. And I think it's synchronous. And a lot. it happens a lot for actors where, like, their journey personally mm-hmm. mirrors certain times, like, mm-hmm. the work they do. Yeah. 
That's beautiful, brother. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the People's Party welcomes Rick motherfucking Gonzalez. Motherfucking Gonzalez. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. 